It's good to be home. Home, home. Really home. And uh, yeah, it's just very good. Um, we, we look forward, we're just kind of passing through this time, but we look forward to being here for a couple weeks around Christmas. That'll be, <clears throat> that'll be really good. <laughs> but, um, but it's good, very good to, this morning. I want to share, I want to start out by reading out of Colossians chapter 4. Um, I'll start with verse 2. This is Paul's letter to his spiritual grandchildren. He, uh, he wasn't in Colossae, he never went there. He sent people there. They came back, gave a report to him, and this is his response. This is a letter that he's writing to them. And by, by chapter 4, he's giving them some, some advice. And pretty, I mean, listen to this. This is powerful stuff. Um, but uh, Colossians 4, I want to start with verse 2, read through two, verse 6. Paul says this, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. Then he adds, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace. Seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Those are powerful words. <laughs> Very powerful. I want to, um, I'm going to cover the whole thing by the end, but right now at the very beginning, I want to concentrate on verse 3, where Paul says, uh, Pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. Um, this was great. These, these little um, in, invitation, uh, three people to pray for and, uh, and then to invite them to the, to the December happenings and, and all of that, that's an open door. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Um, I want to, Colleen and I, we've been in missions for, for quite a while, uh, since 1990. And um, Colleen's actually been doing this for much longer than that. She went, when she was three years old with her family, she's one of five kids. Um, and they were missionaries to the Philippines, her family, they were missionaries to the Philippines for uh, over, over 35 years, something like that. Um, so, and that, they, she went way back when they had to take a boat. Okay, you'll have to talk to her if you want to know how long ago that was, but uh, it was a long time ago. <laughs> um, but, you know, her, her parents, before they went to the Philippines and, and what, whenever they came back to the U.S., they'd go around from church to church to church, and they would speak about what God was doing in the Philippines and asking people to pray for the Philippines, pray for them as a family, pray that God would open doors there in the Philippines for, for His message and and she's been part of this for a long time. And then we went out together. Uh, and before we ever went out, 
We went around from church to church to church asking people to pray and asking that God would open a door and please pray for us. And we have these little prayer cards and, and we even have them today. They're magnets. They're smaller these days and, uh, and everything. But, uh, but it's, it's asking that, that people would remember and, and, and that people would pray and pray that God would open a door. Well, we went to the Philippines in 1990. Um, do you guys remember... What happened in 1991, world event, changed, changed the face of the world? Wall was in 89, 91. I was a tad later. I heard, what? Oh, yeah, there was a volcano in Pinatubo in the Philippines. Now you're like getting detailed here. That's good. That's really good. Um, 1991, August of 91, the Soviet Union fell apart. Soviet Union, the evil empire, as we called it. 91, falls apart. 15 independent countries were formed. I mean, I remember in this town, (laughs) Kathy Winnett's house in Canyon City, Becoming a Christian there, that's where, that's where I did in the youth Bible study. Back then, there wasn't any single church that had enough kids to have a youth group. And so they had a community youth group. All of the churches sent all their kids to Kathy Winnett's house every Tuesday night. And um, <laughs> uh, we used to go do these like retreats back then. And I won't tell you exactly when that was, but it was a long time ago. And uh, we'd do these retreats. And build, we'd have this wall, it was a 10-foot wall, and you'd be in two or three different teams, and each team was given a long um, beam, wooden beam, and you had to get your team over the wall without touching the wall because it's 10,000 volts of electricity, and you'll die if you touch it. And so whatever team got the most people over alive won. But to make it even a little bit more you know, intense... Um, this was before 1991, Uh, uh, you had Russians coming after you because we're Christians and we have to get over this wall and escape this Russian. uh... Anybody remember those days? Okay. Um. (laughs) Did you ever pray for the persecuted Christians behind the Iron Curtain? I mean, a lot of people did that. I mean, uh, I remember people going and burying Bibles under a certain tree by a certain lake, you know, so that if they ever came here, we would still have Bibles. <laughs> but people were praying, is my point, and they were praying that, that God would help those persecuted Christians behind the Iron Curtain, but we're also praying that God would do something with the Soviet Union, with the atheists, with communists. And in 1991... It wasn't just Gorbachev, Reagan, Thatcher, and Pope John Paul that acted. It was God. God is the one that tore down that wall. God is the one that that tore down that curtain, the iron curtain. God is the one that did that. He did that because people were praying. Millions of people had been praying. And we're still praying. And God acted in 1991. Broke up the former Soviet Union. 
15 independent countries caught the world by surprise. Nobody anticipated that, especially mission agencies. And so they were scrambling to find people to send in there. Um, eventually, we got this phone call in the Philippines to, to asking us to transfer to Ukraine. Um, we did that. We were there 17 years. You guys know I've told you many times about Ukrainian stuff going on, stories. You guys were actually there. Some of you came over. Um, God, God opened all kinds of doors in Ukraine because people were praying. And, the, and sometimes they weren't just a little door, like a regular door. They were barn doors. They were huge doors that, that God opened because people were praying, like Paul says here in verse 3. Well, for, for us in our lives, uh, after 17 years in Ukraine, we were asked to transfer to, to the country of Poland. And uh, we couldn't go straight there. We, we had to go through Budapest because our youngest son had to finish three years of high school. And so we went through Budapest, Hungary. We were there for three years. Colleen and I just traveled back and forth from Budapest to Poland, to Krakow, Poland, which was a six-hour drive. And uh, we just commuted one week a month, sometimes 10 days. But the rest of the time, we're down in Budapest. And God opened doors down there in Budapest. It was amazing. Uh, I, I don't have time this morning to tell you about that down there in Budapest. But, but God did some amazing things down there. But one of the things about Budapest, Hungary, is that it is today kind of the, the, the central headquarters for most mission agencies that have anything going on anywhere in Europe. Eastern Europe, Western Europe, anywhere in Europe. Most mission agencies' headquarters are in Budapest, Hungary. Well, so while we're there, we're able to meet with a lot of people and, and make all of these connections. And uh, it was just an incredible time for, for, for us personally uh, being in Budapest. We got involved in the churches there in Budapest, and, and God did open some doors there. But finally, Joshua, our youngest, he graduated. We headed up to, to Krakow, Poland. We moved in there, found an apartment on the third floor, uh, of this of this building, and we move in, and uh, we get up to Budapest uh, to Krakow, Poland, and I'm thinking, okay, we did you know 17 years in Ukraine, kind of have Russian down, and it's a Slavic language, Polish, it's a Slavic language, no problem. It's a problem. <laughs> it's a big problem learning Polish. Um, <clears throat> It is not easy. We, we were praying that God would help us with the language. Mostly we were praying that God would help us connect with Polish people so that we could get to know them, so that we could understand the mentality, understand how, how they see the world, so that we could communicate heart to heart. And thinking that Polish wasn't going to be that tough, the tough part was connecting with Polish people and, and, and having that, uh, that understanding. Uh, well, the language is tough, plus connecting with Poland, Polish people was, was, was tough as well. Um, we, had to, we had to rethink things, uh, but, but we were still, we're, we're, we're continuing to pray. We need you guys to pray. Please pray that, that we'll get this Polish language. We, we return back to Poland January the 5th. Uh, we get there on the 6th. Um, I think a couple days, two or three days after we arrive, our first order of business is to get back into language study. I mean, we really need to get this Polish language. Please pray for us um, that way, specifically. 
But, but here we are, we're, we moved out to Poland, we think we're going to get all of this stuff, and we're praying that God would open doors to connect with Polish people. And during those first couple months, we, we started to attend um, what, what's called a leadership summit. Colleen and I had never been to one of these things before. It was a two-day uh, meeting time, and, and we attended this, this summit. Well, the first day, they gave us these box lunches, and we had to all go out into the, the eating area outside the lecture hall. And, um, and Colleen and I were eating our, our lunches. We still don't know very many people there. And we're at these stand-up kind of tables eating this, this lunch. And there's a, a lady across over there that, that's kind of making her way towards us. And I thought that we recognized her. And then the closer she got, we did recognize her. And, uh, and we look and says, oh, it's Renata. And Renata and her husband, um, they work for, for Campus Crusade for Christ. They're, in Pol- they're Polish. And they, they worked for Campus Crusade there in Krakow, Poland. Um, for two years, she and her husband had been sent by Campus Crusade down to Budapest, Hungary, to Campus Crusade's headquarters there in Budapest for two years of special training. Well, they had four children, and their four children attended the same school that our Joshua attended. And it was down there that, that we got to know her. And, and, her, and her family, her husband. And here she is at this thing. And we call Renata, Renata. And she looks over and she, she comes over to our table. She goes, Bob, Colleen. She goes, I've been looking for you. I heard that you moved up here. I never knew how to, how to get in touch with you. Um, we've been looking for you. We've been praying for, for our kids. We've been praying that, that down in Budapest, our kids got into basketball. They loved sports in the schools there. And our kids go to three different schools up here in Krakow, and none of them have sports in the schools. And they loved basketball. We knew you were an assistant basketball coach. And, well, you're going to be our basketball coach up here in Krakow. And I looked at her and I said, well, Renata, I said, I, I, I don't think we moved to Poland to, to coach basketball. Oh, no, 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 no. I know you're going to be our coach. <laughs> we, we continued the conversation. We finished our lunch eventually, went back into the meeting. And uh, eventually that evening, Colleen and I went home and, and uh, we, were, we were praying about the day, kind of reflecting on things, uh, talking about things. And uh, it, it dawned on us that it wasn't our idea to coach basketball and kind of put that on the Polish people. It was actually a Polish person's idea for us to coach basketball. And so we thought, man, we we need to find out what what God thinks about this. (laughs) So we prayed some more. Long story short, the next day, at the the second day of the leadership uh, summit, we saw Renata, and I went up to her, and I said, Renata, I said, uh, I think I'm going to be your basketball. Oh, I knew you were going to be the basketball coach. <laughs> Immediately, in those days following, she starts introducing us to the administrators of all three schools where her, where her children were attending. And after she covered all the administrators, she started introducing us to all of the teachers in all three of those schools. After that, she starts introducing us to hundreds and hundreds of kids of whom we were supposed to teach the skills of basketball to. And, and, and uh, we, we started getting invites for, for dinners, going out to pick with the administrators and teachers for picnics and dinners. I mean, <laughs> they're Polish people. And God, God opened up that door and made that connection so that we could... God did that. 
because people were praying. We're, we're coaching all these kids. I mean, almost every day we're doing coaching. We'll stop right in the middle of practice. We'll also stop right in the middle of games. And we'll have devotions. And uh, Colleen, she, she had these big poster board kind of things. And, and, and she was writing out scripture verses in, in Polish. And, and we're having these kids memorize the scriptures. Plus, we're doing these devotions. And I mean, the scripture verses were helping us learn Polish as well. And they're actually saying it properly. And... Uh, <laughs> We're able to follow these little two-year-olds down there. But no, they're, I think they're six, six years old was the youngest. But, um, and our Polish is worse than theirs. But, <laughs> but, but, but God opened up this door just even to evangelize these kids and to, to teach them the scriptures. And, and then we're meeting their parents when they're coming to pick up the kids and the grandparents that come to you know, take pictures at the, the basketball games. And I mean, God opened up the, those doors. God, God did that. Again, because people were praying. God, God was moving, is moving. One of the most amazing things happened to us in, in Poland two summers ago. Now, in order to tell this properly, I need to go back to, to the early 70s, 1972. Um, in 1972, Campus Crusade for Christ. We know Campus Crusade for Christ. They work on university and college campuses. Started here in the U.S., um, by Bill Bright. Well, in 1972, Campus Crusade wanted to extend their ministry on college campuses to other places around the world. One of the countries they were looking at was the country of Poland. Well, 72, Poland's part of the Eastern Bloc, controlled by the Soviet Union. I mean, it's still communist. But Campus Crusade had made contacts with, with uh, university leaders, uh, leaders in the Catholic Church there in Poland, as well as non-communist government leaders. They had to have some secret meetings. They, it, it had to all be kind of done under, undercover. But they had these meetings. They figured out, the way that, figured out a way that Campus Crusade could, could work on the universities and college campuses there in, in, in Poland and, and have a ministry. And so since the early 70s, Campus Crusade has been working very effectively in the country of Poland. They still are, even to this day. I mean, it hasn't stopped. Well, that all was the early 70s. Late 70s, 1978 to be exact, um, there was a new pope elected in the Catholic Church. He's Polish, John Paul II. Well, he, he, uh, he's elected. He comes to Poland in 1979, his first visit back to Poland as pope. And uh, in, in, in 79, he, he had a nine-day visit. His last few days were in the, in the city of Krakow, his home city. He, had a, uh, he preached a, a Sunday morning sermon there. And it was Pentecost Sunday in 19, June of 1979 when he preaches this, this, this Sunday sermon. The famous line in his sermon. I mean, even if you YouTube the sermon, I don't think it's translated. It's in Polish. But, but the, the famous line that comes out in that sermon is that uh, Pope John Paul is talking to this, this huge crowd, millions of people, uh, over two million that came to, to hear him, and he's preaching to them, and his, his phrase was, there's going to be a new wind of the Spirit blow across this country. The, the Spirit is going to do a new thing in Poland. The Polish people that heard that, they heard it as a spiritual message, that, that there was going to be some sort of a spiritual revival in in their country. But they also heard it as, 
as Polish people that were oppressed by a by a by a foreign power, a communist power, and they they heard it as a as a political message that this new wind of the spirit going to do a new thing in Poland was going to change the political atmosphere as well. Well, there was a guy in that crowd of over two million from the north of Poland, from the city of Gdansk. His name was Lech Walesa. He was a shipbuilder, and uh, he went back to the shipbuilders' union up in the city of Gdansk. And he started in late 1979 what became known as the Solidarity Movement. Solidarity. People coming together. In this case, to get communism out of their land. Well, the Solidarity Movement spread like wildfire across Poland, uh, mostly in the, in the churches. Communists didn't like to go to church, so that's where the Solidarity Movement spread. And uh, it, it spread throughout that whole Eastern Bloc, but, but mostly it was in, in, in Poland. Um, and then you remember 1989, 10 short years later, after the Solidarity Movement started, the Berlin Wall comes down in 1989. Many historians will tell you that Pope John Paul's sermon on that Pentecost Sunday morning was the beginning of the end of communism in the Eastern Bloc and eventually in the Soviet Union. God did that. God did that. But in the mid-80s, before the wall came down, in the mid-80s, Pope John Paul, within the Catholic Church, he did two things. Well, he did many things, but two, two things that I want to highlight. The first one is that in, in the mid-80s, he, he started what he called a new evangelism within the Catholic Church. Now, he's Polish, and he's starting a new evangelism within the church, the Catholic Church. Where do you think he got his material? He got it from Campus Crusade in Poland. It's called the Four Spiritual Laws. And he, he brought that in to the church as, as their new evangelism. In fact, Pope John Paul was known to have shared the Four Spiritual Laws with people that he had in private audiences. He would, he would share that with people, but he wanted this evangelism within the church to evangelize the church from the inside. The other thing he did was that he wanted to preserve the young people in the church. So he started what they call uh, World Youth Days to preserve the, the young people of the church. Well, World Youth Days, since their inception, have attracted roughly 2 million people, young people from around the world. And they come to wherever they are. They have them roughly every two years. Uh, Two summers ago, World Youth Days was to happen in Krakow, Poland. Now, Krakow, city proper, is 800,000 people. The metro area is 2 million. And they're inviting 2 million young people for two weeks to be in their city. I don't know if this is making sense, but 2 million inviting 2 million is a logistical nightmare. It's, it's kind of like an eclipse in Eastern Oregon. <laughs> Preparing for years, you know, hotels booked, what, three years, two years in advance? I don't, I don't know what it was. <laughs> uh, 
I mean, it was just, it was just crazy. They, they were planning for, for years for this World Youth Days in, in, in Krakow, Poland. Um, they, they weren't sure how they were going to do, do it all. But they gathered all the bishops from Poland and they, they divvied up responsibilities, made assignments. There was one bishop from the city of Krakow that was given the assignment to fulfill Pope John Paul's mandate of the new evangelism among the World Youth Day participants. His idea was that he wanted 1,500 evangelists to come for those two weeks and evangelize 2 million Krakowians and 2 million young people from around the world. He could come up with 1,000. He needed 500 more. You know where his first phone call went? Campus Crusade for Christ in Poland. He, said, he explained his plan, and he says, I need, I need you to come up with 500 more evangelists, and I need you to do the training for everybody. Will you help me? And Campus Crusade says, of course we will. We'd love to help you out. They couldn't come up with the 500 evangelists. So they opened it up to, to other groups. Well, Colleen and I, because of our time in Budapest, knew the leaders of Campus Crusade for, for, for Europe. And we heard about this, this need for, for, for evangelists up in Krakow, Poland. And we said, well, man, we're Church of the Nazarene. We're up there in Krakow. We want to evangelize everybody we can. We're in. Count us in. And they said, come on in. We put together a team of 19 people that, that, that came together, some from Redmond, Oregon, uh, others from, from Budapest, different places. We had this, this team of 19 Nazarenes that came together for those two weeks of, of World Youth Days up in Krakow. We came underneath the umbrella of Campus Crusade for Christ, went through all, all of that. The first week of World Youth Days, they, they sent our team of 19. We did, we did music, we did drama, and then we did evangelism. So we had kind of, within our group of 19, we had three smaller groups. And uh, th- during the first week, they sent our big group of 19 to all kinds of different places throughout the city. The city, the metro area of 2 million, they built 20 different stages Throughout the, throughout the city, at the main plazas and squares in the city. And the stages were, I mean, the size of half of the sanctuary. I mean, they, were, they had lights and sound systems. I mean, they're very professional, huge stages, big stages. And they would send us around, and, and all day long, for, or every day, in multiple places for the first week. And we would do our dramas, and we'd do our music and our evangelism, and they had material for us that was printed up by the Catholic Church up in Canada and shipped in two massive 40-foot shipping containers over to Poland. It was printed in 24 different languages. And so whenever we went out and did, a, did a, one of our group performances, we had all this material that we were able to hand out to people and evangelize. It was incredible. It was just amazing. The second week of, of World Youth Days, the idea was that they wanted all 1,500 evangelists to be broken into groups of five. Well, rarely were you in a team of five with, with somebody from your own, your own personal team. In my team, uh, there were two English speakers, myself and a, and a gal named Maria from Vancouver, British Columbia. She's a, a young gal up there that works on college campuses up in, up in Vancouver, B.C., 
We were the two English speakers. And then we had three Polish speakers. One was a priest from northeast Poland, a nun from southeast Poland, and then a gal, a Polish gal that grew up in, in western Poland. And they spoke no English. Because I'd had a little bit of language study, I was like the translator for our group. And that's a scary thought. Uh, it just it wasn't a good thing. But anyway, um, I was a translator. Our, our team, my, my team of five, the three Polish speakers, they knew that all this material we had was printed in Canada. Well, they knew that Maria was Canadian. And they said, whoa. Maria can do the training just for our group. We can have our own personal trainer for our group of five to take us through this, this booklet and help us know how to, how to use it. Maria was up for that. She got a real translator for that job. And uh, she took everybody, our, our team of five, through this book. This book is called The Ultimate Relationship. She went. Page by page, line for line, illustration for illustration. I will not do that this morning. But the first point of this book is that there's a creator. And he created all that we see and all that we know. And he created us as people, as the pinnacle of his creation, so that he could have an ongoing eternal relationship with his creation, with us. Point two is, there's a problem. The creation rebelled against the Creator. Uh, we sinned, and we broke that relationship with the, with the Creator. We built this barrier between us, the creation, and the Creator. Point three is, in order to get rid of this sin and break down this barrier, there has to be a blood sacrifice. And the Creator solved the problem Himself. God sent His own Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, shed His blood, so that we can be forgiven. If we submit to Him, we can be forgiven, we can break down this barrier, and because of His death and and resurrection, we can reestablish this relationship with the Creator. The ultimate relationship. That's the title of the book. The fourth point that Maria was talking about with our group of five was... Do you want... And she never finished. She was interrupted by the three Polish speakers. And they they got close and they said, Maria, we've heard all of our lives that that we could have this relationship with God, but, but we never knew we could have it here. And now in this life, Maria... I want that relationship. All all three of them said, I want that relationship. I want that relationship. Can we pray just just right here? Just, Just the six of us, the five of us, and the translator? To start that relationship with with our creator? Yeah, yeah, we can. We grabbed hands, got in a circle. And those three Polish speakers in our group gave their lives to Jesus Christ. They started this ultimate relationship with the Father. Praise the Lord. (laughs) They, all three of them, had had decades, decades of religious training. I mean, they, ever since they were in kindergarten, they've had it in their schools. 
Even, even under communism, they still had it in their schools, this, this religious training. But it was all right here, all right in their head. For the first time in their lives, it was moving down to their hearts. Praise the Lord. They had a, they had, they, you can't believe the transformation. They came alive. They were on fire for God. It was the most incredible thing to, to see and be a part of. The organizers for World Youth Days, for the second week, they set up even more stages and platforms around the city. And, and plus they rented all the, there's eight universities in the city of Krakow. They have 280,000 students that come every September to their colleges and universities in, in, just in Krakow alone. They rented every lecture hall and auditorium in the city. They, they rented all the sports fields, especially the soccer fields throughout the entire city. They, they, um, they rented all the theaters in the greater Krakow metro area. Uh, they, they were going to do Christian lecture series, biblical study series, all kinds of, I mean, two million young people for the second week. They had to keep them, keep them going. Um, they, they wanted to show Christian films in all of these theaters, morning, noon, and night. I mean, they had these films going all the time. Uh, they, there's a river that flows right through the center of the city of Krakow. It has restaurants and barges and all kinds of different boats. They rented every one of them because they wanted to have concerts on those, on those barges and the restaurants and use the banks of the river for people to, to sit on and listen to this concert. They rented everything, but no concert, no lecture series, uh, no sports game. Nothing could start until a group of five did their presentation. And the presentation was kind of simple. The first person that went in from the group of five, they carried the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, above their heads. They just walked in, faced the crowd, holding the the Gospels above their head. And the first time I saw that, I thought, that's kind of weird. I mean, it just kind of looked funny to me. But after a while, I began to understand what was going on. And and, I mean, when we want to give thanks to God when we want to praise the Lord. I mean, what we, we raise our hands. We lift up. Nazarene, sometimes we're down here, but <laughs> we lift our hands. We praise God. How could we take the, the Gospels, the words of Jesus himself, just down here and face people? No, we want to lift it up. We want to honor the Word, God's own Word. And I began to understand. And they, we, we, the person stood there the whole, the whole, during the whole presentation. Second person coming in would share their testimony. Third person coming in would share their testimony. And, and the rule on the testimonies, tell us about Jesus. Just tell us about it. We don't want to know what you did. Tell us what Jesus has done. Do you know who we're working with here? Just tell us about you. It was, it was mind-boggling to... to, to it was just amazing. The fourth person would come in, they would share the kerygma, the gospel, the good news, the, the ultimate relationship. The fifth person would come in and pray with everybody and then told people that we would be at the exits and, the, and outside we had material for them and all kinds of things. It was an unbelievable time. We, we were sent for, the, for the, uh, that second week. We were sent all day long all over the city to various events that were going. And uh, my, my team, I mean, we were in lecture halls, sports. We were in a theater one time, and it was a Polish Christian film that they were showing. 
And only Polish speakers came. And so our, our three Polish speakers in our group of five, they did the presentation up in front, just, just in Polish. Maria and I were sitting in the back of the theater. And in the back was where the owner of the theater and her manager were, were sitting back there. They're, they're Polish too, but they spoke English. And so Maria and I started a conversation with them. And with one ear, they're kind of listening to what's going on up in front. And they asked us, they said, what is this ultimate relationship thing that they're talking about up there? Well, I, I just happened to have one. And uh, we <laughs> pulled it out. Maria took the owner. I took the manager. And we went through the ultimate relationship book. Both of them prayed to give their lives to Jesus Christ, to submit themselves to God's lordship. Praise the Lord. God was just moving in unbelievable ways in that city for those two weeks. It was just an incredible time of of openness to spiritual things. God was opening up these doors. I mean, think about it. The Catholic Church and Protestant Church and parachurch all coming together to evangelize four million people. Only God can do that. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Praise the Lord. The biggest thing for for our group of five was near the end of that second week. It was in the evening. I, I I need to insert this. When our team was done, our team of five, we'd fulfilled all of our, you know, assignments for the, for the whole day. And it was morning till night. I mean, we were exhausted. Our team of five, especially our Polish ones, they said, we, we can't stop. We, we still haven't finished. There's still, there's lots of people out here. We have to keep going. I and mean, we, we'd find individual people, small groups of people. And our, and especially if they were Polish, I mean, our Polish speakers, I, I told you, they, they came alive. They were on fire. They were evangelizing everybody. And we were just walking by people. We had to stop because they're, they struck up a conversation. I mean, we'd go do, people couldn't fulfill their, the, the team of five couldn't get to, we'd fill in. We were going there. I mean, these guys came alive. They were just on fire for God. It was the most incredible thing. But during the, the end of the second week, we were assigned one evening to the biggest barge on the river. And they'd set up a huge stage on top of that barge. They had an Italian Christian band that had come up from Italy for the entire two weeks. They were the most popular band there. We were to do the presentation before this band could start uh, one of their last concerts. Huge crowd there. None of us had ever spoken to that many people in our entire lives. I mean, we were just shaking in our boots. It, It was... We're looking at this crowd. We're off to the side looking at this crowd. I mean, the person that went out holding the gospel up, I mean, they were just just shaking. <laughs> Truly. I mean, the whole time, just shaking. It was, it was unbelievable. Um, I was the fourth person. I got to share the, the, the ultimate relationship with that entire crowd, over, way over 25,000 people. I mean, I'd never spoken to that many people before. None, none of us had. Maria, she was the fifth one. She, she prayed with all of them. <laughs> Just incredible opportunity. I mean, God opened up those doors. God did that. He did it because people were praying. People were praying. Just like Paul says, or he asks, pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. Praise the Lord. 
People were praying. I love that because I actually know what time it is. <laughs> and this is the only church, save those that have a clock, and there's not many of those, but that I actually know when I'm supposed to end. Um, <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'll finish. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm just getting going. Um, <laughs> so Colleen and I, uh, we, we come back. We're, we're here. We used to be in the summer because we had kids in school. Now we don't have any kids in school. We come in the fall. And we come around church to church. And the reason that we've come is for two reasons. Just two. The first one, I've said it before here, it's, it hasn't changed. The first reason that we come is simply to say thank you. God bless you here, John Day, Grant County. Um, thank you for thinking about other people. Thank you for thinking about us. You know, I mean, I see these offering plates here. You know, every time these things are passed around, that stuff's counted. And, and after it's counted, a percentage is taken out of there and it's sent away. It doesn't stay in town. <laughs> you don't get to use it here. It goes to Africa, Asia, South America. Some of it even comes to Europe. That percentage that's taken out every week, week in and week out, it's taken out of here. It goes to others. And we came simply to say, the first reason we came is to say thank you. Thank you for thinking about other people, for being faithful, for your generosity for others. God bless you. God bless you. I mean, the Church of the Nazarene has a great system. And and thank you for, for participating in that. That's the first reason we came. It's simply to say thank you. The second is to leave you with a challenge. And this is where we get into the entirety of the scripture here of, of what I read, Colossians 4, 2 through 6. This is a challenge to us. It's Paul's words passed down to us. And so take this as a challenge. Here, listen closely. I mean, it's a challenge. I, I mean... Get ready. Okay? Here, here it is. John Day, Church of the Nazarene. Devote yourselves to prayer. Get that one? And that's just the start of the challenge. Devote yourselves to prayer is what Paul says. I'm old enough now that I can say this phrase, but back in the day, <laughs> um, I used to play football. And at Boise State, before the turf was blue. And at Boise State, I imagine it's still the same today. I mean, when you play football there, you put in hours every day at the varsity center. Every day. I mean, in season, 
and, and out of season. You give hours every day, sometimes lifting weights, always watching film, even in the off-season, watching film, trying to improve. Training, practice, watching more film, meetings, hours every day. And I actually went to class. I actually graduated. So this is on top of all of that stuff. Hours every day. I was devoted to football, to our team winning, to me getting better. I was, I was devoted to it hours every day. Paul says, devote yourself. Same word. <laughs> devote yourselves to prayer. Many ancients would say, prayer is the work. Did you get that one? I mean, that's even worth repeating. Prayer is the work. Nothing's going to happen in, in Poland, in Krakow, in, in Ukraine, in Hungary, in, in, in the Philippines. Nothing's going to happen without the work being done. Nothing's going to happen in Grant County. It's not going to happen in Long Creek, in John Day, in Seneca. If we don't do the work, Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful. We know what that means. Pay attention. Pay attention. Know what's going on. Know, know what worldview our, our kids are being taught. Know, what, know what's happening in, 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 our, in our neighborhoods, on the street where we live, on the country road, wherever it is that we live here. Know, know what's going on. Not in a nosy way to pry into your neighbor's business. No, 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 no. But know what's happening in their lives so that we'll know how to pray. So that we'll know how to, how to lift them up. Paul says, pay attention. Know what's going on in the county, in the state. State of Oregon. Know what's happening. Even our nation. Pay attention. Our our world that we're a part of. Understand what's going on. Paul says, be watchful. Pay attention. And not so that we kind of, I mean, if you read the news too much or watch that stuff too much, You'll be afraid to walk out your front door. True. I mean, even in John Day. You certainly won't travel. And then it's kind of the, oh, America. Or, oh, the state of Oregon. Oh, our governor. (laughs) Paul's not talking about that, though. That's somebody that's sucked in by the news. Paul says, pay attention. No, but don't be sucked in. The reason I know he says, don't be sucked in, (laughs) it's a direct quote, um, (laughs) is because of his second attitude that he talks about here. Right after being, be watchful, he says, and thankful. Oh, that's not thankful. (laughs) That's called whining. And Paul says, be thankful. Not thankful for all of the mess, if you will. We're not thankful for it. 
But we can be thankful because we know that Jesus is Lord. Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. Jesus has the last word, folks. Jesus is the boss. He's the one. And if he's the boss, he's my boss. <laughs> he's the one. It's, it's not President Putin. It's not the guy in North Korea. It's, it's not even our guy back in Washington. Isaiah 40 is right. All God has to do is go, new president, new governor. He, Jesus is Lord. And if he's Lord, if I believe that, if I truly believe that, and I stand on that, I can live a life of thankfulness like Paul is talking about here. But this is a challenge. It's a challenge. Are we thankful? <laughs> Paul says, be devoted to prayer, being watchful, pay attention, and thankful. He goes on, he says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Mostly from the context of all of this, he's talking about people outside the faith, non-Christians. So be wise in how you act towards them. Be wise, Paul says. Wisdom comes from the fear of God. And we get it. We get as much as we want. All we have to do is ask for it. And Paul says, be wise in how you act towards outsiders, those that don't believe. Make the most of every opportunity. In Poland, outsiders are also um, Syrian refugees. They, a couple of years ago, they invited thousands of Syrian refugees to Poland. The government of Poland knew that ISIS had targeted Christians specifically, so they sent representatives down to Syria. They knew they'd been Christians there for thousands of years, 2,000 years. And uh, so they sent representatives down there. They started interviewing Syrians, finding out who were the Christians. They went to the main spots, Aleppo, Damascus, kind of the... the um, anchor cities, if you will, for Christianity in, in Syria. And they started interviewing. Aleppo got, got leveled. So they're interviewing people and finding out who's Christians. And if they wanted out, if they wanted to, to leave, they invited them to Poland. If they wanted to come to Poland, they put them on an airplane in Damascus and flew them up to Warsaw, Poland. Then they spread them out all over the country of Poland, gave them a free year's housing, free, free year of language study, and then expected them to get into the Polish uh, system of things, find jobs, and get into society. Church in Nazarene, I mean, we've had work in Syria for, for decades. Some of our strongest churches were in the city of Aleppo and, and Damascus. A lot of the Christians that came to, to Poland, they were Nazarenes. I mean, our own brothers and sisters. We have colleagues there, Dave and Mary Beth Giles. Dave was working with these Syrian refugees, especially the Nazarenes. They settled in three cities in southwestern Poland. Dave was working with those guys. And uh, one of the young men from that group, uh, his family was from Damascus. They lived, uh, their, their, their church was a block off of a street called Straight in Damascus. You ever heard of that? <laughs> amazing, tr truly amazing. Uh, one of the young men, his name is Raphael, he's uh, 25 years old, he was called to preach. He started Bible studies with, 
with Syrian, uh, Syrian Arabic speakers. They, they came from Egypt. They came from Afghanistan, Iran, uh, not Iran, Iraq. Uh, different Arabic speakers, he started Bible studies because the head of the household might have been a Christian, but some of the, the family members weren't. So he starts evangelizing them, winning people to the Lord. He got enough people together that he started a church, an Arabic, Syrian-led <laughs> Nazarene church in Poland. Do you ever think that would happen? Praise the Lord. God opened up that door. But, but Dave, he goes, man, we got to get this guy some, some formal training. we got to get him into Bible college classes, get him ordained, and all of that whole process for the, for the church. And, and, and Rafi, he, his, uh, Arabic is his first language, his heart language. His second language is English. His third language is Polish. But he wanted to study in Arabic, if at all possible. That, that's the one he really gets a hold of. Well, so we found some Bible college classes down in Beirut, Lebanon, Nazarene Bible college classes in Beirut, and in Amman, Jordan. We had this brother out of Montana, Nazarene Church in Montana, give us money, and, and Rafi is able four times a year to fly round trip from, from Warsaw to uh, Beirut or Amman, wherever the classes are going to be holding, held, and he, has, he takes two or three classes every time that he goes down there. Praise the Lord. Paul says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. I actually do know what outsiders are called here in Grant County. Most of the places I go, I don't know what outsiders are called. Paul says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Every opportunity. Even with Californians. <laughs> the last part of the challenge is this. Let your conversation be always full of grace. Don't you just love that word always? I don't. Because it means always. And that my conversation is always supposed to be Full of grace. I find that most difficult within my own family. I don't know how you are. But man, that's a challenge for me. Always full of grace. Seasoned with salt. So that I'll know how to answer everybody. That's the challenge. The thing about this challenge from Paul and to us is that we can't do it. We, we, can't, we can't rise to the challenge. We cannot fulfill it. It's kind of like a New Year's resolution. It, man, we can give it our best for about, what, three weeks? And then it just falls apart. Unless God has His way in our lives. Then and only then can we fulfill this. Can we do this. But God must have His way in our lives. Well, there's a song. And the the end of it says, um, Every breath that I take, 
every moment that I'm awake, Lord, have your way in me. That's a prayer so that we can fulfill this challenge. I'm going to ask you guys to pray the words of this song the first time through. The second time through, let's join together and sing it. I think it might be up there. Will it be up on the screen? Second time through? Maybe not. Okay. It's not a tough song. You'll probably already know it. But as we go through it the second time, feel free to sing it. Um, but let's, let's pray it. And by the way, as Paul says, pray for us too. That uh, God may open a door for our message. So that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. Clearly, as we should. Well, let's bow our heads and pray as Colleen sings and then join her the second time.